Okay, folks, good to see you. I trust you had a good Christmas. Now, as we're trying to get things put back together and waiting on a new year to come, uh, we're looking today, if you have your quarterly, we're looking on page 38. Page 38, the king who reigns forever. And as we look at this, isn't it good that we recognize that uh, we have a supreme being who is in control. I may be out of control sometimes, but I am so grateful to tell you our Lord hasn't surrendered his place of authority to nobody. They may assume that uh, he has, but he definitely has not. So uh, as we look today, uh, I trust that uh, you'll see that with us as well, okay? Uh, Brother Clint wanted me to remind you about Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That is our annual offering that goes toward foreign missions. I trust many of you have already been faithful to, uh, for the Lord to lead you in that area. I told him I would do that. Uh, God is good all the time. So as we wait on him, uh, we trust for his provisions in every way, okay? Now, let's pray together as we get started, okay? Father, I thank you, Lord, knowing that you are supreme, knowing, God, that you are in control, gives me peace to know that as I stay focused on you, Lord, I will have hope. Bless your people everywhere across the globe. Not only them just across the globe, but bless them in our community. Bless them in the body of Christ here as well. Might we always be ready to give people a reason for the hope that lies within us. Some, Lord, uh, we're sure have hardship today. We prayed for some of those already this morning. So bless them, Lord, in their time. I pray now that you'll uh, teach this group today. I'm just a little vessel. Uh, say what needs to be said. I choose to let you say it through me. But God, have your uh, will and way in my life. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I find myself, and uh, you may find yourself doing it too, as we uh, come to these seasons in the Christmas season. Now, we have been teaching uh, basically through the Gospels, sharing a Old Testament prophecy but then looking at a New Testament uh, reality of that gospel, uh, and as we do that, uh, we sometimes uh, think that we're looking always for something new. But can I tell you, there is nothing new under the sun. But what we may find today, every time we look at the Christmas story, and in a few months at the Easter story, what we will find is something refreshing, okay? Now, with that in mind, today the Old Testament passage, uh, and this is uh, helpful for those of you who are watching on YouTube this week, it will be Isaiah chapter 9. So take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Now, those of you who are in here with us, uh, you'll be able to just look on page 39 and see those couple of verses uh, that we will read. And then we're going to go to the gospel, and that is the gospel of Luke. Uh, and again, see uh, his perspective there of the events. 
Uh, the introduction that the writer gives us on page 38 talked about Albert Einstein. He didn't pass his entrance, entrance exam for the first time now. Uh, you know most of the rest of that story. Uh, he has became uh, one of those people uh, who, because of his intellect, uh, has uh, been uh, able to uh, challenge uh, many critical thinkers. Also, he talked about Abraham Lincoln, another man most people didn't expect to succeed. Failed in several businesses during his service in the military. He went from being a captain to a private. Now, that's, uh, that's not moving in the right direction if you know those uh, thoughts there. But then he goes to Jesus, and he said the work of Jesus exceeded anything people were expecting uh, from the Messiah. The Jews wanted a Messiah because he was going to be the deliverer, okay? They were under the rule of the Romans, and therefore, they definitely wanted their freedom. Now, you've got to remember the empires before them. You had the uh, Medes and the Persians, you had the Greeks, and you had the Babylonians, and you had uh, many other people who would control them. They wanted deliverance. And as a result of that, they looked for the Messiah. But the Messiah comes, and he doesn't necessarily give them all that they were looking for, but he gives them more than they could ask for. And as we look at that perspective today, what we can say is that Jesus is all we need, can't we? And as uh, he uh, sometimes may not come as early as we would like, but he likewise uh, uh, does not come late. He always will show up. Now, chapter uh, 9 of Isaiah, I'm looking at page 39. The scripture again says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government shall be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish uh, this. Now, there would be some who might say even today, I wish he would come, but friend, this is the one who has come, okay? Now, as we read there, uh, the writer reminds us that some celebrate Jesus' birth uh, more than just Christmas Day or observing an advent, a Latin word meaning coming. They celebrate Jesus' birth for weeks leading up to Christ. Now, it's amazing, isn't it? The Christmas season, as many know it, ends on the 25th of December. Matter of fact, you know, we will... I say we will. Many will take down all those decorations, rid themselves of anything that resembles Christmas. All they're going to have that will remind them of Christmas is the credit card debt. But now what we know is that that's not the way Jesus would have it, is it? We should be thinking on him uh, continually. Why? Because he is all that Isaiah 9 tells us about. Now, we have looked at these names before. Matter of fact, some weeks ago, I looked at these titles in one of our Wednesday night prayer times. Uh, 
Uh, and now they're repeated again uh, as for our lesson for this morning. Now, Jesus from a babe uh, grows up into a man, and yes, he was uh, maturing in all the same points like we are, okay? He went from being an infant to a toddler, from a toddler to a, to a child, from a child to a teenager, from a teenager to a man, that, that's by where it ends, isn't it? The scripture tells us, though, as a man, he was not an ordinary man. He was the God-man. And because of that, uh, we see today some of those assuring realities uh, of what he did as King of Kings uh, and Lord of Lords. Now, the writer again said Jesus would grow up into adulthood and show us how to love God and people uh, perfectly. He would be obedient to death on the cross, rise from the grave, take away the sins of the world, and give us new life. As the hymn writer would say, oh, what a Savior, right? He was a man, but not the ordinary man. He's the God-man, the only one who could provide for the sins of the world. I was reading an article this week I'm trying to remember what morning it was, but it was an article that had been written from a perspective there in, in which uh, would cause us all to grasp maybe what was, what was before us, but the article was written on the Immaculate Conception, you know, then the bir virgin birth and on. I enjoyed the article. I might go back and print it for you. It was from a professor's standpoint, so you know that's pretty stiff for me to be reading that much. But uh, uh, there are many beliefs about the Christmas story, the King of Kings. And as a result of that, we need to be willing to give a perfect defense for who our master is. Yes, Christmas helps us see him from the infancy standpoint, okay? Now, the prophecies we've been looking at in Isaiah uh, gives us some of what we see uh, concerning his maturity uh, as well as his reign. On the bottom of page 39 in the second column there, uh, the writer reminds us this is a prophecy about Jesus that reflects the full picture of Jesus for all time and eternity. Now, let's remind ourselves, where did Jesus begin? Where's his beginning? Only his earthly experience are we celebrating uh, because the babe in the manger, he, that was the manifestation of him. Uh, Emmanuel, God with us. But he, uh, he was, he was uh, or he is. You remember we looked at that Wednesday evening for a few minutes. Uh, the I am, if we would see him. Not the I was or the I will to be, but yet the I am. Jesus present in the beginning with the Father and the Spirit. Now, as we look at this, uh, he would talk about his kingdom. Even in the model prayer, if you remember, uh, he would give us the, or give his disciples and then to us as well, uh, pray therefore, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, each of us who have uh, confessed our sin uh, 
to him uh, privately and confessed our faith in him likewise, uh, we are a part of his kingdom, okay? Yes, there will be an earthly kingdom that will follow in, uh, in time to come, but we likewise know that his kingdom already is as well. Now, on page 40, if you're looking there in a quarterly, uh, page 40, it takes these little bullets out of that Isaiah 9 passage. The government will be on his shoulders. Well, again, the writer says, as a result of that, this is the image of a king literally putting on his royal robes, uh, the clothing that represents who he is and the authority that he has. I think, uh, and this is just my thought from what I read and know in Scripture, uh, the, the Jews probably largely saw more of a warrior than it did a, uh, a person there of, uh, of authority who would, who would wear the robes of government, let me call, okay? They were looking for the deliverer. Now, remind yourself, if you would, back in the times of the kings, uh, when uh, Samuel was looking for the king, what did Sam Samuel look at when he came to Jesse's boys? He looked for a deliverer, didn't he? The, the first one that he looked at, he, he would have selected him. He's tall, he's strong. That just looked like a guy who would deliver them from the rule there of the Philistines and the surrounding others. Well, you remember what uh, the Lord told uh, Samuel? He said, I don't look at how strong they look outwardly, but I look on the heart, doesn't he? Now, the heart of this king of kings that we're looking about would have the government on his shoulders. His name would be called Wonderful. The Hebrew word refers to that which is supernatural and miraculous and gives a reference there in Exodus chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, I was looking back, if you noticed in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, when I read and I was glancing back to make sure I was making a true uh, comparison uh, many times when you're reading scripture, some people will put this wonderful counselor together. Now, he is a wonderful counselor, but in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, of which we just read, wonderful counselor was put together. But I like how the author, though, is going back and he's separating those two as we see them on page 40. Why? Going back more to the reference there of the King James in which... His name shall be called Wonderful. I like the comma that's there. But if you look back on page 39, the comma's not there. I would be saying he's a wonderful counselor. I like the name Wonderful. It does something to me. It does something for me. Why? Because in reality, uh, no one compares to him. Now, because of that, uh, the Hebrew word there talks about him being supernatural and miraculous. And that even would remind us from his birth, would it not? Uh, his inception, his conception, 
there. Wonderful. Then the word counselor. This counselor would speak advice that was extremely wise, putting wonderful alongside of counselor. See, pointed to the ruler who would express God's wisdom in all of his words and actions. So, uh, as we see them, what, what do people go to a counselor for? Advice? What's that? Advice? Help? What else? What do people go to a counselor for? Wisdom. Matter of fact, you know, the best counselor, they tell us, is not the one who talks a lot. It's the one who listens well. Because most times the counselor will let you tell him what you really need. And you won't realize what you're doing. Jesus, a counselor. No, not in the sense that we make an appointment and go down to the office and sit there for an hour. Uh, that's sort of the concept that we see uh, in our life of being the counselor. But now... Uh, I just think of Jesus being the one who's going along beside of us uh, in daily routine and common things, and he is there for, for compassion and care. And all of those things that you just said, he shares that along the way. I think the best word that I could describe Jesus with would be friend. You know, who is it that you would... Maybe be able to tell everything too, and that is if you've got a good friend that you know has a tendency to keep everything uh, under tabs and not tell everybody else, that's, that's a very worthy person in our life, isn't it? Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God. Now, in the King James again, there is the article, the, the mighty God. Is how we would read it again earlier. And I'm not bringing confusion to that. I'm just trying to say if you're uh, quoting this like you normally would possibly, you're saying, oh, I'm missing the thee there. It's a common title, though, for God and clearly points to the deity of this ruler. Now, how many gods are they? Only one, that's right. But according to many, there are many, 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 many gods. Now, I'm so glad to hear both of you point up one. Why? Because that's where that article, the, comes in. The mighty God. And the reality of that is more uh, profound than we realize. Why? Because like some have taken John 1, 1 and uh, talked about in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. Many say in that verse that he was a God. He's not a God. He's the God. And because of that, uh, we can trust him with everything, right? And because we're a part of his kingdom, matter of fact, he trusts us with things as well. Why? Because of the relationship. Eternal Father, we associate this term with God the Father while acknowledging the deity of Jesus. The term here refers to the king's style of leadership. And the word Father, the endearment word, okay? I never use the word Father. My, 
always from my infancy called my father dad, daddy. I think we could interchange that if it suits you well. The father, though, is a common biblical word, and uh, there's much to be said. He's the eternal father. I've said quite often, something I learned years ago, if someone doesn't have a good relationship with their earthly father, it is harder for them to have an established good relationship with the heavenly father. And the reason I say that is because those words just sort of cause us to think there and and interchange them. And then the words, uh, we know him by well, prince of peace. Jesus will establish a kingdom of peace. He brought to us the ultimate peace through his death on the cross. Now, you got anything? Anybody want to say anything there quickly? Now, let's look at the New Testament uh, as we look at Luke 1, 26. We'll be looking at three or four verses here uh, to finish our lesson today. It said, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, uh, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive, give birth to a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. Wonderful. How many times have we read that in our lifetime? We can't even count them, can we? How many times have we heard them in a Christmas program or played the part of a Christmas play uh, in our childhood days? Wow, the Christmas story very possibly to us believers is the story that we might uh, could quote from one end to the other pretty easily. And now we find it again today in the sixth month uh, uh, the angel Gabriel called there to Mary engaged to a man called Joseph. Now, the writer reminds us that eight centuries after Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah, events began unfolding regarding the promised child, the angelic announcement, talking about the virgin conceiving. What is the possibility of someone writing something 800 years ago that takes place today? But not only just takes place today, but with the right detail it takes place today. It had to be God-breathed, didn't it? It could not have been of man. That's what we need to understand there. And that is that of the prophetic announcement there about uh, our Lord Jesus. Now, not only do we find there the reference, uh, excuse me, in the Christmas story to Jesus, but we're also reminded that there's the reference also to John the Baptist. We spent some time on that a little earlier uh, as well, but uh, here the reference largely made to Mary concerning her child. Now, there would be one who would be born earlier, what? John the Baptist. John the Baptist would be the messenger. He would be the introducer. He would be the announcer. John would quickly tell them in his lifetime he was not the one. And when I say the one, he wasn't the Messiah. But he was coming to deliver, to give 
way. He was one to pronounce the one who is to come. Now, uh, as a result of that, that's where we get the beauty of the gospel, is it not? Let me remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when there were those who said, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Apollos. What did Paul say? Who are these guys? He says, we're all one. He said, one plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. Now, as we see that, I compare that life of John the Baptist to Jesus. You know, John the Baptist fully understood his role, did he not, in life? And that was to make the way for the Messiah who was to come. Now, as we think about the story of these verses, this is not an ordinary conception, is it? It's miraculous all the way. Now, the article that I referenced to earlier uh, that I was reading from the professor this week was, was talking about in the Immaculate Conception that there are many who believe that Mary was without sin. They believe that she actually was born of a virgin. Now, folks, we know that's not biblical. But when you, this goes to tell us, so when we hear something or read something that somebody might say, that we try to really decipher or mix ourselves into that. Now, we'll go back and study that article a little bit, but that challenged my thinking because in my shallow thinking, I had never personally came across that, even in my Bible college days. But that was an interesting article. I'll try to get it and share it with you. The last passage now is in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. We're on page 43 if you're following me, okay? And uh, as we have moved now from Luke 1, 31, we just go straight on into Luke's narrative. It said, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, the writer just goes straight into his word. And he said, It was incredible enough that Mary, a virgin, would give birth to a son, but Gabriel produced or proceeded to announce the role and character of Jesus. Again, there's three little marks here, bullets, I call them. He will be great. Now, how many you think, well, we know the shepherds most likely were the first to see the young child, right? According to what we can read. Now, they did not get the whole story, did they? They got enough of the story that they went out and they began to tell Matter of fact, let's be honest, not even Mary knew the whole story. She had been given enough, had she not? And you remember who was it said that she began to ponder these things in her heart? You ever pondered something? Even though we have information sometimes, we still ponder it. We chew on it, decipher it. Well, beautiful story, but let's remember that it says he will be called great. When, when, when did you, or how old were you possibly, 
When you begin to grasp the reality of how great he is, you don't have to give me an answer, but, you know, that came at some point in your life of maturity, didn't it? You begin to study or appreciate whether you read it for yourself or someone taught it to you, that he was great. Now, uh, the author of the lesson today said, of course, most parents think their children are great no matter what they do or become. But Gabriel's announcement pointed to someone infinitely greater, for great was a word used frequently to describe God in the Old Testament. There's an old song we sing sometimes. I don't know if we do here. It's an old southern gospel song. God is great. God is good. God is merciful. And, you know, we cannot even... My vocabulary will not allow me to have enough words to describe how great he is. He is awesome. Not only will he be great, he'll be called the son of the most high. Most high, the author is talking about a term reserved for God himself. You know, uh, we find that word sometimes, if I remember right, the Christmas story, glory to God in the highest. Uh, but most high is a reference only for God there. None like him, right? No one like him. But now Jesus comes. He's God's son. However, he's also the son of Mary. Jesus is fully human, the Son of the Most High, fully God. Never has the world saw a man that was 100% man, yet 100% God. Now, if you want to try that on the street tomorrow, Waycross, tell them to send all their comments to me. I won't share with you what they say about you, okay? They'll, they'll think you're crazy. You know what? Many thought Jesus was crazy. But he wasn't. He was the only 100% man, 100% God. And 100% sin free. 100% sin free. All points tempted like we are yet without sin. Absolutely. There was no sin in our Savior. Uh, whether whoever might try to discount him as being sinless, we know they're wrong. Okay. Was the shepherds. Mm -hmm. They were the lowest right. group of people. And to me, that says a lot. Amen. No matter where you come from or what happens. That's right. You know. God he came into it he came unto his own and his own received him not, but That's as right. many as did receive him gave he them the power to become the sons. And I think that's speaking about we Gentiles as well. Yes, the shepherds were not uh, on, on the top uh, of the education list, would call it, were they? Somebody was, oh, I heard somebody talking about that on television this week, said they were the lowest, the dirtiest, and, you know, yes. of anybody, but God announced to them first. Aren't we glad? Paul said it in another way, I think. I can't quote it exactly, but you'll get enough to know. Paul said, God hath not chosen many noble or many wise, 
But he's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And as a result of that, you don't have to be a scholar to accept the things of the Lord that Jesus has provided. And as a result of that, that's why intellectually, if you listen, you'll, you'll hear people talking about the, the higher education or the institutions of higher learning that there is a large amount of atheists that are professors. Why? Because they don't sense uh, what it is to walk by faith. they got to explain it. See, and if you can explain the gospel, uh, I, I need to get you to write it down good, okay? Because we believe by faith and not because, not even because we've been, uh, the message was delivered by an angel. We believe because of, of what we read, the Lord has been sent. Well, in the last phrase here says, He'll be given the throne of his father David. What's the significance there? You remember? He gives it to us right there in the, in the paragraph when he told David, Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. 2 Samuel 7 and 16. So that is a part of the promise that will continue to be, will it not? So he sums it all up when he said, When we surrender our lives to Jesus, we receive the incredible privilege of joining him for all eternity. And that means no separation. That means no division ever because we've surrendered our lives to him. Any thought there? He might have looked down to the lowly mm. and you know, showed them first. But 30-something years later, at the foot of the cross, it was where the almighty that we thought that we was and the lowest we thought we was, he made it level for them. Amen. As long as they would accept and That's believe. Right. Amen. That's good. I, I'm still excited to tell you, Jesus will receive all who come to him in repentance by faith. 